Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its hosts are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. And as I like to tell you every week, I'm also the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. And my partner, Chen Lin, uh, is a publishes a letter called What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? And it is time now, if your name is on the waiting list, uh, to sign up for uh, What is Chen Buying? What is Chen Selling? And you can do that by going directly online or by calling uh, my assistant, Claudio Bossi, here in New York at 718-457-1426. 718-457-1426. You can sign up for my ne- newsletter, J. Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, by going to miningstocks.com. That's miningstocks.com. And uh, you can also go to J. Taylor Media, J-A-Y, taylormedia.com, to uh, access everything that I do, including this radio show. I also like to say that you can follow me on Twitter under the handle J. Taylor Media, J. Taylor Media. I want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it the number one show on the Voice America Business Channel. And we also want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Our sponsors for today's first hour are Timmins Gold, Bravada Gold Corp., Golden Arrow Resources, Miranda Gold, Sand Gold, SGX Resources, and Uranium Energy Corp. Well, we'd like to just run over a couple of the, a couple of the companies that are on our list. Clearly, this is continuing to be a very difficult time for the junior resource sector, which is one of the reasons we're going to have two geologists, exploration geologists, that follow this sector very closely come on to our show today. Brent Cook will be with me at about 4.30, and Mickey Falp will be with me in just a few minutes at about a quarter after 3 here in New York time. Uh, we'll ask both of these gentlemen uh, what they're seeing in the resource sector and if they have any hopes at all and if there are a couple of stocks they think might be worth taking a look at. Clearly, the market has really bludgeoned these companies. Uh, they are just down and out like I've never seen them before. Well, if you believe, as I do, that gold is really uh, really suppressed now, that its rightful price uh, is much, much higher than it is right now, uh, then you will see this as an opportunity, perhaps, to pick up some very high-quality junior gold exploration companies and some new producers as well. Many that I've talked about on this show, uh, I believe, offer tremendous value at these levels. 
Uh, and so we'll uh, we'll get those two uh, those two gentlemen, uh, both Brent Cook and Mickey Falp, will get their opinion on the market as well as on specific stocks to the extent they're willing to talk about them. A couple of the um, uh, just commenting on the sponsors that we have, Timmons Gold selling at $2.16, very suppressed, recently come down a lot from its recent bounce up, and it's, uh, this is a growing gold producer, profitable, making a made 25 cents a share last year, uh, and growing very nicely uh, in its uh, San Francisco project in Mexico. Bravada Gold selling at a mere two cents, up a half a penny today. So big percentage game for Bravada Gold. If this company survives, this will be a, a huge increase from the current share price, in my view, which is why I have continued to hold a large number of these low-priced shares in my own portfolio. Golden Arrow Resources is certainly uh, looking very, very good with its chinchillas discovery. Already over 100 million ounces of silver, uh, uh, silver equivalent ounces, I should say. Uh, and it is really uh, with very uh, small percentage of the uh, exploration uh, there completed. This is a company, I think, that has great upside potential from its current uh, level of 23 cents. It only has 41.8 million shares outstanding. Miranda Gold uh, is a project generator, uh, enjoys uh, people like Paul Van Eden and Rick Rule, uh, very heavy supporters of this company. And with their Agneagle Eagle uh, um, partnership in Columbia, uh, I think this is one you're going to really want to watch very closely. 15.5 cents today, 73.9 million shares is outstanding. SGX Resources, uh, 4.5 cents. 127 million shares outstanding. Dale Ginn is involved with this company, as he is with uh, Sandgold. But Sandgold owns a good share of SGX Resources, but they're having some real significant exploration success in Ontario in the Timmins area. And uh, SGX, uh, I'm actually commenting on it this weekend in my newsletter, so if you're interested in this company, you might want to pick up a copy of my newsletter. Uh, subscribe to it, and you can call Claudio Bossi, as I said, 718-457-1426 to do that, or you can go to miningstocks.com. Speaking of sand gold, at 11 cents today, I think sand gold may surprise a lot of the analysts in the coming quarter, and I say that after having spoken to the company just a week or so ago. It is my belief, based on what I based on what I learned from them, that we're probably going to see a very significant decline in the operating cost on a per on a per-ounce basis, largely because the company has run into some higher-grade material. And uh, that could be very, very good news for this much beleaguered uh, gold stock, sand gold. Uh, 335 million shares, though, outstanding. So it's, uh, you know, 33, uh, 33, 30, about a 40, $35 million market cap or so. So it's not as uh, it's not as low-priced as it may appear at 11 cents, but nonetheless, it's all about the direction of things from where they are now. And uh, uh, I have really personally doubled my own position in sand gold recently because I believe, uh, I have believed all along, and the reason I put them back in my newsletter was because I think they're a turnaround situation. Uranium Energy Corp at $2, that's uh, Amira Nanny's energy company, uh, uranium producer out of Texas with a lot of satellite properties, will be increasing production, uh, doing very nicely there, I believe. Um, you know, what is the future of uranium is an issue. We would like to get Amir on to talk about that sometime in the near future. Uh, also, he is ahead of um, Brazil Resources, and I believe, if I'm not wrong, we're going to hear from Mickey Falp on uh, Brazil Resources when Mickey comes back uh, with us after the break. Um, 
Well, I do want to say on the question of where is gold heading, you know, it is very much a beleaguered metal right now. People don't believe in gold. People are very, uh, people are very convinced that the gold bull market is over, and we could very well see the first year in a long time, of over 10 years, when we haven't had an increase, uh, a consecutive increase in the price of gold. That's possible, but I'm not betting on it for sure yet. I'm not sure that that's going to happen. I think we could see another a very significant rise in the gold price because I think the world is uh, the, the global financial system is as precarious as it's ever been, and anything could send things uh, out of kelter. Well, I think things are. I think the the global economy is out of kelter now. It's sort of sitting on uh, on a knife's edge, actually, and it could go either way. Uh, we could go down onto the deflation side or hyperinflate. I think either of those are possibilities. Though, quite frankly, I'm more in the deflation camp in the near term, hyperinflation in the longer term. I don't think that there's any way, politically speaking, that the politicians can do the right thing. And David Stockman, who will be on this show, supposed to be on this show in another two or three weeks, uh, believes the same thing in his book, uh, his great book called uh, The Great Deformation Explains Why. Um, but I would just like to mention that there was a great article uh, by Alistair McLeod today that appears, uh, actually you can read it at jtaylormedia.com. You can read it and comment on it. But the article... Uh, is uh, is titled where is gold heading um, and uh, actually the title is gold's undervaluation is extreme is what uh, Alistair McClare headed his article and he believes that that we that we are destined to see much much higher gold prices and I'll just read his conclusion and then suggest that you might want to go to J Taylor Media to read the entire article to see why he concludes what he has concluded uh, and I quote uh, Alistair McLeod. He says, the conditions are in place for a spectacular rise, price readjustment on valuation and economic grounds alone. Furthermore, the short position on the COMEX have been transferred to the hedge funds, leaving the bullion banks less exposed to escalating risk, uh, systemic risks. It is now in the latter's interest to keep their gold and silver books as level as possible as a bear squeeze on the market shorts gets underway and starts the revaluation process. End of quote. Well, Alistair clearly thinks we're heading on to new highs in gold, well over 1900 ultimately. So go to J. Taylor Media, read the article, and comment on it if you'd like to. Uh, give your own thoughts, uh, either pro or con. Uh, we'd like to get your feedback. So jtaylormedia.com. Now let's turn to today's show. Craig Bergman uh, is, a, is a first-time visitor. That's Craig Bergman. Uh, he's uh, going to be with me, and Glenn Downs also. He's the chief of staff for Representative Walter Jones. Uh, will also be with me at about 4 o'clock. Craig Bergman will be joining me at half past the hour. Our Constitution mandated that the governments serve the people. Uh, it was uh, to protect us from foreign and domestic enemies so we could pursue life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We, the people, were supposed to be the lords over our government, not the other way around. So are we good Americans if we allow our government to spy on us or if we support the U.S. war machine to for force regime changes, as Hitler did? Radio host Bergman is supporting a lawsuit against NASA, uh, against the NSA, for spying on Americans. And Glenn Downs will provide his perspective on this and other issues of uh, intrusion into our lives as we prepare to celebrate the 4th of July. Should we celebrate or plan to hide from a government that may call anyone who disagrees with it a terrorist? 
with gold and silver hit hard, again, uh, we do, uh, of course, want to keep our eyes on the real reason for owning gold and silver, and that is for liberty, personal liberty. It's not to get rich, although we hope that it will help preserve wealth. The real title and the one I'm, uh, uh, the, the title of the show today and what I, a question I want to put to both Mr. Downs and, um, and um, uh, Mr. Bergman is what is a patriot? As we uh, as we go towards the Fourth of July, what is a patriotic American? That's a question. In fact, I would put to all of you out there today, if you'd like to answer that, uh, feel feel free to uh, send in your comments to uh, uh, to the email that's given to you to answer uh, and to respond to the things you hear on this show. Well, as I mentioned, we are going to be talking to Mickey Falp, a geologist. Uh, he's known as the mercenary geologist. He's going to be with me right after the break. We're going to uh, go to a break in just a couple of minutes. We'll get Mickey's ideas, too, on uh, what is a patriot, because I know Mickey feels very strongly about that. Uh, he, was, uh, he was with me uh, this past weekend in Dallas uh, when we both attended the Liberty Mastermind Symposium, which is a, a wonderful event, uh, with a lot of libertarians there, people that really feel very uncomfortable with the direction our government is heading these days. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Mickey is more than just a geologist. He's a very good one, and he's a very good stock picker, but he also has some strong opinions, so we'll talk to him about that. And, and Brent Cook, as I mentioned, will be with me at about 4.30 today to also talk about a couple of his favorite picks, and uh, hopefully Mickey will share a couple of those with us as well. Well, we do have to go to break now, and when we come back, um, we'll be back with Mickey Falp, the mercenary geologist. Don't go away. We'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Windfall profits happen frequently in gold exploration stocks, but the risk of losses are also common. Miranda Gold enhances prospects of shareholder gains by combining the intellectual capital of geologists, mine finders Ken Cunningham and Joe Herbert with other people's hard dollars in search for elephant-sized gold deposits in politically safe places like Nevada and Columbia. That keeps shareholder dilution to a minimum, so when discoveries are made, major gains are possible. For more, go to MirandaGold.com. Bravada Gold Corporation controls 18 exploration and development properties covering nearly 50 square miles in Nevada's well-known gold trends. Its flagship Wind Mountain Gold Silver Project is 100% owned and had an independent updated resource estimate and positive preliminary economic assessment in early 2012. This past September, Bravada signed an agreement with Argonaut Gold to further explore and develop Wind Mountain. For further information, please visit bravadagold.com. Attention mining investors, Brazil Resources Incorporated trading as BRIZF on the OTC and BRI on the TSXV is exploring and developing five gold projects in Brazil, surrounded by expanding gold mines and deposits. It's acquiring a nearly 700,000 ounce gold resource. BRI has top geologists earlier involved in discovering 10 million ounces of gold in Brazil, led by recognized mining executive Admir Adnani, chairman. Check out Brazil Resources or call 1-855-630-1001. That's 1-855-630-1001. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me again for, uh, oh, Mickey's, Mickey Fault. He's been with me several times, and he's the, known as the mercenary geologist. He, uh, as the name implies, is looking for ways or looking for rocks that he can turn into money. Uh, he's uh, a mercenary geologist. I can't blame him for that, and there's nothing wrong with that. We want to make profits. Profits uh, is what capitalism thrives on, and capitalism is the one economic uh, system that really increases wealth for everybody, even if it's not always equal. Well, it isn't going to be equal. It's going to be, but it is the it is the best system that we've had. And unfortunately, uh, there there seems to be um, a disdain for capitalism that I think is something that's been uh, drummed into us through our educational process. But anyway, that's editorializing. Doesn't belong in this segment. Welcome, Mickey. Good to have you back with me. It's always my pleasure to be here, Jay. Really good to have you here, and I might just mention uh, the, the conference this week, past weekend was quite interesting, wasn't it? Oh, it was just tremendous. I had the, one of the best times I've ever had a, at a conference, and it was a little bit out of the ordinary for what you and I yeah. usually do, but uh, mm-hmm. we're both libertarians, I think, and yeah. this was libertarians and, and hard assets people and people that uh, don't think debt's the way to go, and there were a couple of anarch so-called uh, anarcho-capitalists thrown in, but it was uh, it was really fun, and the the people that attended were were intelligent and thinking people, and so the feedback we got was quite good too. I thought absolutely, I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly on that. And the anarcho-capitalists were uh, well, they're you know they're just there was there were a couple of them there, and Jeff Berwick's been on this show. I like Jeff a lot, and I think he makes a lot of good points about. Uh, about it, I, I'm not quite sure that I agree completely with Jeff on that on that issue. But, uh, but in any event, uh, I should let people know for those that aren't familiar with Mickey, uh, he is, as I mentioned, a certified professional geologist, and uh, uh, he has a BS in Earth Sciences uh, with honor from the University of Tulsa, Masters of Science in Geology from the University of New Mexico, and he's been the last 35 years exploring and developing uh, mineral properties. So. Uh, I thought it was it's time to talk to another geologist. Actually, we've got Brent Cook coming on later today too. So we're guys, we're giving you a double dose of geologists today. But <laughs> both of these gentlemen are are, are highly respected. Uh, and Mickey, I just want to say um, this is really a tough time for this sector, isn't it? Have you seen it tougher any time? Oh, I think I have seen it tougher, Jay. And I would say that the period from post Briax and when after all the juniors ran out of money then so yeah uh, personally for me the toughest time was 99 through 2002 uh, but toward the end of 2002 uh, the people in the know in the business started making some rumblings we saw some moving in the gold price and by july of 2003 man we took off again so this uh these commodities go in cycles and they're often uh, divergent from the general business cycle, so yeah. it's just something we have to weather here. 
Yeah, that's right. Well, it is a very tough business, though. Mining is, is an extremely difficult business, I would say. It seems to me it requires an awful lot of capital. It requires an awful lot of time. There's uh, geopolitical concerns, uh, more or less, depending on where you're at. There's, uh, you know, environmental issues. Uh, there's uncertainty of the prices of metals, as you know. Uh, where do you think we're at in this gold market now? Well, we're hopefully near the bottom. I I, I do some some charting and and some ratios on a on a monthly basis and mm-hmm. here's what I've noticed so we'll use the Toronto Venture Exchange as the proxy for the health of the junior resource sector uh-huh. so that is now approaching historic lows that we set in late 08 and early 09 today uh it's about 875 um, the lows uh in that period 3 month lows in Late 08, early 09 was about 766, so we still got a ways to go. To but another thing I track is the the venture exchange to the gold ratio. Mm-hmm. And uh, three years ago, we were at about the same gold price, around twelve hundred dollars plus or minus. Uh, and then the venture exchange to ratio. Uh, gold ratio was 1.2, and today it's 0.7. So that illustrates the divergence of first uh, uh, stocks and gold, and then lately we've had this big divergence between paper gold and physical gold, and it certainly is paper gold that's driving the price down, in my opinion. It seems to be the case, Mickey, because we're hearing that there are record imports of gold into Asia, into China, and uh, and the Indians. Of course, the Indian government is trying to put the kibosh on importing gold into India, but the Indians apparently are finding ways and paying premium prices to get gold into their country as well. So it seems like the fundamentals for gold are very, very strong, not in the U.S., where people seem not to understand uh, too much or, or have too much uh, interest in buying gold. They still believe in the dollar to a great extent, I guess. But, you know, I was just looking at another indicator, Mickey. This is the S&P TSX Global Gold Index that Stockwatch has. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm looking, and this looks like a triple bottom here. We go back to where we actually dropped. It's at 160, and it was as high as 440. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was back in 2011. It was higher. It was above 440. But we go back now to the 2003 where it was below one, uh, right at one, a little above 160. We dropped to 160 now, which is equal uh, uh, equal to where we were after 2008. So it does seem to be at extreme lows, and you would have to think that we must be somewhere near the bottom on gold. So let's let's keep our fingers crossed, I suppose, because uh, because it is it is getting a little bit difficult for some people. But on the other hand, I suppose you would agree with me, Mickey, being a capitalist as you are, mm-hmm. it's not a bad thing to have some companies disappear either. Well, no, and and I think the gold industry itself is to blame for a lot of its own difficulties. Um, you know, the margins of gold miners are no better than they were when gold was three hundred dollars an ounce back in in two thousand and early two thousand and three, before this boom started, and the juniors themselves uh, really have no value. They you know they list properties on the left side of the balance sheets as assets, but they're really liabilities. Uh, so the juniors, 
what happens, these are speculative markets, and when the markets get frothy in a bull market, uh, everybody can raise money, every project looks good, and valuations go out the roof. But in reality, very few of these juniors ever succeed. So we saw this phenomena post-crash from, say, uh, the end of the first quarter of 2009 to the end of the first quarter of 2011, where we had this raging bull market, and, and a lot of juniors that didn't really belong raised a lot of money, and now that's coming to bear because a lot of that money uh, just went up in smoke. It went to G&A and parties and, and salaries and expenses and et cetera, et cetera, with very little of it. Uh, in some instances, put in the ground, and certainly most of it not productive, even if it was put in the ground. Yeah. Well, certainly, though, some of it was put in the ground, and there are companies that have drill data, I would would think, that uh, are not going to be able to use it now because they're broke. And there are companies that survive that will be in the driver's seat and able to pick up some some good values. Uh, you like Brazil Resources, I believe, was one of the companies you said you would you would like to talk about. Can you uh, give us your feelings on Brazil? Are they one of those that could be a predator and able to pick up some some good properties? Well, absolutely, and they've already picked up uh, one good property last year from Luna Gold in Brazil. Mm-hmm. As I think you cover this company too, and I cover it, and I'm a stockholder, so mm-hmm. I'm obviously financially biased in my opinion. Yeah, but me this too. This has a very good management. Same people run Uranium Energy Corp. They have a tight share structure. They still got uh, around four million bucks in a bank, and they are certainly on the hunt right now. And I actually expect. I don't have any information uh, regarding this, but I, but knowing their business model, I expect them to make a splash here in the next few months with some sort of uh, asset acquisition, and it's going to be something that's distressed. I would imagine it's going to be in Brazil, and I imagine it's going to be something they can make into a mine. Mm-hmm. Well, they do have some good backing there, too, Mickey. They have um, uh, financial, I think it's a professional uh, native Brazilian uh, that perhaps is a fund manager or a banker that they have Mm -hmm. some pretty deep pockets there, too, don't they? Which is really important. Yeah, they do, and I think you're probably referring to uh, uh, Brazil Invest, and that's one of the largest funds in Brazil and very much... involved in the natural resource sector, amongst other things. But they have a who's who board. They have very strong financial backing in the country of Brazil. Uh, They've got a good cadre of uh, technical people in Brazil. So I go down my list, and at at the current share price of about 80 cents or so, uh, uh, down from a historic average price a few months ago of about a buck twenty, uh, this looks like it could be a an interesting stock to accumulate in, in periods of weakness. Yeah, that's the Brazil Resources symbol BRI on the Toronto and BRIZF down here in the states. Forty one point three million shares only, Mickey. That's a mm-hmm. market cap around thirty three million dollars. Another stock, a copper stock, you uh, you wanted to talk about briefly. We have about two minutes left, okay. uh, and that is Curus Resources. CUV is the uh, symbol on the Toronto. And I think it's P double C R F on the U.S. Can, what can you tell us about that one? Well, Curious is first of all a Hunter Dickinson company, so mm-hmm. there's a there's a good mark right there. Uh, once again, a, a, a tight share structure. Um, they are developing a in situ recovery 
uh, Wellfield Copper Project in southeast Arizona uh, near the town of Florence. This is a deposit that has been known for a number of years. Uh, in situ recovery of copper would be the same, uh, very much equivalent to in situ recovery of uranium. Mm-hmm. It's been done many times in Brownfields projects. This would be the first Greenfield project. They are one permit away from uh, building a test mine facility. Uh, as soon as that happens, we could expect copper production in around six months. Uh, but they've been delayed in this uh, uh, in this permit, and it's an EPA permit, and supposedly it's it's basically signed, sealed, and delivered. But I have to think that the Obama administration, I'm going to do a little politicking here, has uh, has kind of put the kibosh on the EPA. The EPA is uh, since. Uh, uh, since the lame duck session of Congress has just been sitting on on its uh, thumbs and not approving anything. Mm-hmm. So uh, once that happens, though, I think uh, this will get built. And if you look at the pre-feasibility study, the economics are stupendously robust, I would say. Really? And it yeah. looks like a real winner to me. Yeah, it's... It's got a net present value of well over five hundred million dollars, a, a, a capex of about two hundred, all in life of mine uh, costs of production of about a dollar twenty five cents a pound copper. Compare that to today's price of three fifteen. Wow, that's really something. Well, a thirty one million dollar market cap against a five hundred million dollar NPV, but two hundred million is a pretty steep amount of money for a little company like us to raise. Can they do it on project financing, or how will they do that? Well, I think a lot of it's going to be an offtake, and they have an offtake to finance the first part with Red Kite. That was a $40 million facility. They did a $6 million private placement to top off their kitty here about a month and a half ago, if memory serves. They did $6 million dollars at 88 cents with no warrant so they're trading below that right now so being a hunter dickinson company and jay you're certainly familiar with those oh, sure. companies i know you covered not northern dynasty when oh, it was yeah. a penny stock and so there's about a, a hundred bagger or something there. yeah uh, excellent mickey well great a couple of great ideas there thank you so much we are out of time unfortunately a lot more we could talk to you about so we'll have to have you back again sometime soon thank you so much for your time mickey good All to right, see you thanks again a lot, good jay. to see you Take care. All the best. Well, folks, don't go away. We're going to be right back after the break with Craig Bergman, uh, first time with us, and uh, we're going to be interested in hearing what he has to say about NSA and some other issues, hot issues right now uh, on the political scene. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Craig Bergman. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. Golden Arrow Resources on the TSX Exchange has recently made a new silver discovery and is presently drilling a 6,500-meter program on that discovery. A maiden resource calculation is expected to be released in April of this year. The project is located in Jujuy Province in northern Argentina, just 30 kilometers from the Perquitas Mine operated by Silver Standard. Golden Arrow has an experienced team with decades of experience in Argentina. Golden Arrow offers shareholders exceptional leverage with an exciting new silver discovery. 
SGX Resources is an exploration gold company with multiple advanced exploration projects in the Timmins Gold Camp. Recent high-grade intersections at SGX's Tully Deposit include 14 meters at 20.1 grams per ton and 17.6 meters at 11.1 grams per ton. The deposit is currently more than 600 meters along strike with a depth of up to 250 meters and remains open in all directions. SGX Resources trades on the TSX Venture Exchange with the trading symbol SXR. Visit our website at www.sgxresources.com. Stocks, bonds, investment opportunities, financial news, and talk. We can help. Call us now toll-free, 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. You can also send an email to questions4taylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number 4, Taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm really pleased to have with me for the first time Craig Bergman. Mr. Bergman is a nationally syndicated radio talk show host, uh, has extensive political campaign and grassroots organization experience at both state and national levels, and has consistently been recognized locally and nationally for grassroots organizational expertise and as a media, mail, and website consultant. Craig served as a campaign manager, senior staff or in a consulting role for uh, multiple candidates, including five presidential races, six gubernatorial races, eight U.S. senatorial races, dozens of congressional races, and uh, numerous state and local races in nearly every state. Additionally, he has served as a consultant or grassroots organizer for national organizations such as Christian Coalition, Focus on the Family, and Americans for uh, Prosperity. Prior to forming his political consulting company, uh, which is the Robert Morris Group, in 1999. He worked as vice president in banking for several major banks, including Wells Fargo, and uh, Bergman is a Gulf War-era veteran as well. Welcome, Craig, to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. Hey, sounds like a great program. Glad to be here. Well, I'm hoping that you can help us do that, turn hard times into good times. That's uh, what we hope for all of our guests. But so much of what we've been talking about these days uh, seems to be sort of gloomy, a lot of gloom and doom. And so uh, I think, you know, we have to have some hope in life, don't we? Well, we do have some hope. And as Jack Kemp used to say, and that was my very first political campaign that I worked on, I've read the good book, We Win in the End. Okay. Well, I hope so. Um, you have a radio show named America's Wake-Up Call, which uh, can be listened to on the Internet at americaswakeupcall.net. Um, can you give our listeners an overview as to why you named the show America's Wake-Up Call? Certainly. Um, I, I thought that when I listened to many other talk radio programs, especially my peers that are nationally syndicated, or even on my own network, the Salem Radio Network, um, 
they're, they're doing the same canned speeches. It's like they're talking from the same talking points memo. It's like mm-hmm. somebody at the RNC sent them, all right, these are the three points we have to have. Obama has these three. We need these three. And I think, you know, uh, America's just asleep at the wheel. We're just kind of dozing off, listening to the same old back and forth. He thinks she said, mm-hmm. I wanted to wake up the American people because we're, we're driving down this highway, and some people would say it was the highway to hell, and we're asleep at the wheel. Yeah. Okay, well, I, I listen to some of your shows, and they certainly are provocative. I think they're they're meant to be, right? They're meant to wake you up. And um, uh, in listening to a recent show, you stated that if it were not for income taxes, uh, we would not have had these other fights uh, having to do with gay marriage and abortion and things like that. Could you explain that to our listeners? Certainly, and I'd love to, because we're doing a documentary on the IRS scandal, and we're going to show how every one of the scandals that we've had, not just in the Obama administration, but going all the way back to Woodrow Wilson for the last hundred years, Uh have all been predicated on the fact that we passed the 16th Amendment, which is an aberration of human dignity and suffering uh, that has to be repealed, has to go away. And so... If you look at just recent history, the two Supreme Court cases that came up on gay marriage, both of them were brought because the plaintiffs alleged that the federal government was using the income tax code unfairly against them because of their sexual behavior. Mm -hmm. And the court said, you're right, the the government uh, cannot do that. The tax code must be completely neutral and fair. Uh So we don't have a tax code. If there's no IRS, if there's no income tax, if there's no reporting, then there's no gay marriage. It just There's no ground for them to be discriminated against. That's very interesting. It sort of reminds me of a conversation I had with Congressman Paul. Uh, I told him that my son, who was in college uh, a few years back, his, his roommate was sort of to the left of Karl Marx, and then when Ron Paul ran for president, he got behind Ron Paul, and he said, how do you account for that? And he said, well, I sort of believe that if you take government out of people's lives, it's sort of you, start, you stop having people going against each other. So if you tax one group to benefit the others, you regulate one to, benefit, to hurt one and benefit the others. Do you, is that sort of what's at work here, I think? Is the, the tax code is, is a way of sort of dividing people. Totally is. It was one of the primary reasons that I was political director for Ron Paul's 2008 political campaign and worked in states all across the union for him. Now, mm-hmm. I didn't work for him in 2012 because we had some differences in how extreme he was getting on foreign policy, and we, we diverged there. But when it comes to the tax code, when it comes to abolishing the 16th Amendment, ending the IRS, he doesn't want a kinder, gentler monster, and neither do I. We want it gone. Yeah. Um, so, do you think that the the IRS uh, is a threat to our First Amendment rights, possibly? Well, it's a natural threat to our Fourth and Fifth Amendment rights because it requires you to keep records and make them available to the government and incriminate yourself in advance by signing the paperwork. But yes, it has now become the impediment to the First Amendment under religious liberty and freedom of expression. And, of course, it's done that since the beginning with the whole 
we're tax-exempt as a church. That was a little trick to get the churches and Christians to go along with this yes. right there. But the trade-off is you can't be political anymore. You have to be silent. You can't speak on the values that you want. And we've created a generation of churchgoers and pastors who believe it's their duty to sit in their pews and shut up. Yeah. Are there any churches or any people in, the, in, um, in Christianity in America that have decided to forego that, that uh, tax break, and so they could be independent? Well, there's a number of them who do that, and many are doing it every day, but there's also a great many of them who say, I dare you, come sue me. We have lawyers who will work pro bono. We want to take this case to a jury and to the Supreme Court. And when you have a belligerent pastor, whether he's black and saying, you've got to vote for Obama, or he's, he's white or Christian uh, evangelical saying, we cannot have sodomy in America from the pulpit, yeah. the IRS leaves them alone because they just they don't want to say no, that their entire existence depends on intimidation and not objecting. For example, one of the IRS agents who was giving testimony in Congress, and most of them didn't, but one of the agents who did said very simply, out of 70,000 cases where she came to someone and said, I think you owe us more money, only two of them, in a period of years, only two of them fought her. The rest went, okay, okay, bowed their heads to their masters. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's, that's really sad. Well, one of the really interesting ideas that you brought out, and I, and I think you would be, I take it, in favor of abolishing the IRS. Is that right? Absolutely. I am an abolitionist. We must abolish the IRS. We must repeal the 16th Amendment. And we must go back to Article 1, Section 8 funding of this government. So then the question is, how do we fund our, our gigantic military? How do we fund our gigantic socialism? How do we fund all of these giveaway projects, that, uh, pr- uh, programs that government has, has put into, uh, into our system? How are they funded? That is the easiest question in the world because we have had uh, 150 years of America before the income tax when we went from a little colony to a world superpower. And, of course, we have the republic, now state of Texas, to look at, which has funded everything in their government for 9% sales tax. They've had a 9% sales tax, and they fund the ninth largest economy in the world. If Texas was a nation, not a state, it would be able to join the G9. We just add one little state to them. So your point is we could do that nationwide? Absolutely. We do it in Texas. We do it in North Dakota. We do it in South Dakota. We do it in Florida. We have four states funded without a corporate tax, without a death tax, without an estate tax, without an income tax. And these are some of our most robust states that have weathered this economic storm better than the rest of their peers. But those states don't have to finance a military, and our military, I believe we spend more money than all the other countries combined, or uh, large numbers of... Could we as a nation, though, be engaged in all these foreign wars if we relied on a sales tax domestically? Well, you have four questions there. Let's take the first one. Yes, the United States spends more per capita on defense than any other nation on Earth. Mm-hmm. However, it is only 12% of our total liabilities. The other 88% are domestic spending. And as we know, we can have a, a great fight on how much we want to spend on that. But the mm-hmm. beauty is 
under at least one proposal, the one that's called the fair tax, which I support, but I would look at any other consumption-based tax or Article One, Section 8 tax as well. But the fair tax is revenue neutral. Yeah. For 23%, it funds everything, including outrageous social spending and Obamacare. It's a neutral tax. We're not going to anyone saying you got to cut a penny. So, yeah, we could have stupid foreign wars and welfare and Medicare and everything paid. It would cost us, you know, pretty much 25 cents on the dollar, which is ridiculous. But we're spending that anyway. It's just a hidden tax. Yeah, so you would say a flat tax or, or something like um, one of the presidential candidates. Um, which one was it that wanted the... It was Steve Forbes, and no, uh-huh. I want to be very, very clear. Uh-huh. The tax on income doesn't change the system. I don't care if it's flat or has 8,000 exemptions. Any tax on income violates your First, Fourth, and Fifth Amendment rights and is immoral on its surface. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So, well, one of the, one of the things that you mentioned uh, in terms of, I mean, you are very much involved in winning political battles, obviously. That's what you've, you know, you've, you've been doing that for some time now. And one of the things I found very interesting in listening to one of your shows is you said uh, that we need to shorten the debate, that is, we need to have effective sort of sound bites, short, effective sound bites, as the left has had. Could you talk about that a bit? Sure. That's why I think abolish the IRS is, is beautiful. Uh, repeal the 16th Amendment fair tax. Those are all six words I've said, and I've communicated an entire message with only six words. But let's, uh, you know, I mean, the thing is, as soon as you say that, the left comes up and says that, I don't know, what, what do they say? They say you're, you're a racist, or you're, uh, Actually, you're a selfish uh, the, capitalist, the or you're something or other. What? The fair tax is a bipartisan-supported issue. Uh, they don't really go after it that way, and, and every objection they've raised on the retail sales tax for probably the last 30 years that it's been studied, it probably has more white papers on it than any other documented tax reform in history. There's no need to pass it to see what's in it. You've got Google on the Internet. Every objection that anyone has raised, has been dealt with from progressivism to rebates to the whole nine yards. It's very well thought out. The problem isn't the soundbite war. The problem is the institutions, the K Street, the lobbyists who have paid millions of dollars for their exemptions. I'll just give you one. Did you know only Starkist tuna can fish in the uh, United States waters off the Pacific uh, coast? Thanks to Nancy Pelosi giving them an exclusive license in the tax code? No. No, no one would have known that. Probably most of the people that voted for it didn't know that. No, most of the people, if if the people who supported Nancy Pelosi from the progressive side knew how in bed she was with big business and lobbyists, they would never support her again. But the thing of it is, it's all hidden and it's all in the tax code. It is so indecipherable that the people at the IRS, if you ask and call in and get a ruling, and then you call in a month later with the same question and get a different person, you will get a different answer 50% yeah. of the time. That's incredible. Um, well, well you, you mentioned the lobbyist, which brings to mind my argument You know, for the revolution of 1776, uh, n- no taxation without representation. Have we lost our representation, in, a, in effect, so that even the taxation, evil as it is, 
is not legal in the, in that sense. Is not is morally uh, uh, reprehensible. Yeah, let me address that directly because I saw you struggling with the words there, and it's one of the things I say on my radio program often, trying to educate people. There is a difference between legal and lawful. So let me take mm-hmm. thirty seconds to set that stage, and then I think that will self-answer your question. Sure. Okay. Sure. Statutes are codified by men. And statutes can be municipal codes, they can be zoning boards, they can be state, federal, constitutional, even international. If man wrote it, it is a statute. Law, however, is natural, self-evident, and revealed by our creator, and immutable, unalienable. So statutes are either in harmony with the law, natural law, Mm -hmm. or they are in rebellion against it. And so, yes... The answer to your question is, it's legal right now, but it is certainly unlawful. All right. Good distinction and a very good point. I, I think that's certainly true, and it's something that I think Americans, in their ignorance, uh, it's, it's so sad that Americans have not been taught the opening lines of the Declaration of Independence, because I think that's part of, that's basically what it was talking about, isn't it? Uh, the natural laws, essentially, the laws that were given to us by our Creator. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. When Thomas Jefferson, and of course it was edited by a committee, but we'll say our founding fathers generically because they all signed it and approved it, and it, believe me, they argued for every letter in the Constitution, every letter in the Declaration. If they had disagreed on a point, we'd have it well documented. But it said, we hold these truths to be self-evident. And self-evident means you, you don't debate them. We agree on them. We set the truth aside to work on the things that we disagree on. Well, we don't have that anymore. We're now regressive. Progressives like to call themselves progressive, but they're never new. They're always old. We're now back to where Pontius Pilate said, what is truth? Yeah. Yeah, that's a... Well, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, yeah. What is truth? And that's what people don't know. They don't have a sense of it. And I think, in in large part, because uh, the compass has been lost. And um, I mean, uh, it, it just seems to be that people people don't don't really know the the basis for for truth. So, um, let let me ask you this: You mentioned that you were um, that you did not support Ron Paul the last time around because of his foreign policy issues and. Uh, when he said uh, in one of the debates that the reason they're over here is because we're over there, I guess you don't buy that argument at all. No, I don't. I look at 1,400 years of Islamic conquest going back to the savior of Europe, Charles Martel, and I understand what Islamic conquest is. I understand the difference between Dr. Paul and myself, and this includes Dr. Paul Jr., ran. Uh, because I have been in that camp extensively for a long period of time. I supported him as far back away as in 1987, run as a libertarian before my Christianity matured. But Dr. Pauls do not believe in evil, and I believe in evil, and I fight evil. Well, speaking of evil... uh... The Syrian rebels. Uh, I've seen a picture. I think if it's if it's really accurate, the Syrian rebels, the people that we are supporting right now, uh, beheading two Greek Orthodox priests. Do you know anything about that? I certainly do. You're certainly correct. The video is absolutely real and authentic. And here's our problem: when we have Republicans like John McCain 
lockstep with Barack Obama on this issue, when we have Republicans like George Bush lockstep with Obama on other issues, it damages the brand of conservatism because people in the ignorant middle or even on the left or the low-information voters equate Republicans with conservatives, and they're two different animals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in- indeed. Uh, well, it's certainly, uh, how do you define a conservative then? A conservative is someone who believes those words in the Declaration of Independence. A conservative understands that the Constitution is a house set upon a foundation of the Declaration which rests upon the bedrock of the living Word of God. And anyone who doesn't recognize those is not a conservative. There's something else. We talked uh, uh, a lot about the tax issue here, and we've only got a couple of minutes left. But let me ask you about the Federal Reserve Bank, which is one of uh, you know uh, Congressman Paul's big pet peeves, of course. Where do you come down on the Fed? Because it seems to me, as I look back on with a hammer since, since 1971, uh, you know when we detached ourselves from gold, that gave uh, that gave carte blanche to government to grow and for banks to rip people off to reallocate wealth from those that produce it. I like to say the miners, the farmers, the manufacturers, the inventors, people that do things that are really good for us are not getting their fair share, it seems to me. It's moving to Washington. It's moving to the bankers. Do you agree with that idea? And, and what is your sense of the Federal Reserve? I completely concur with Dr. Paul 100%. I am a complete gold standard or bimetal silver standard person. I have an entire episode some weeks back on my radio program where I prove that gas and oil and silver are related commodities and that thus fuel prices and the value of things are actually cheaper today than they were and that this price inflation is all artificially generated as stolen revenue by a private banking cartel. Yes. Oh, I think uh, you certainly are, are in Ron's camp on that, on that score, that's for sure. thousand percent. Um, so do you think, you think the left is giving uh, Mr. Obama a pass? The ACLU, for example, I thought, uh, would be really coming down hard on Obama on a lot of issues, or a lot of the people on the left, it seems to me, are not, are not minding what he's doing too much. No, the left will never mind, because in their heart of hearts, what you have, when I said a conservative is the Constitution, the Declaration, and the Word of God, and anything else is everything else, the Obama camp is everything else. They are not founded upon truth. Truth is relative to them. They are completely detached from truth and reality. So Obama can spy on his own reporters. He can have the NSA doing drones, and the left will be silent. He can go to war in Syria. Do you hear the Russians are pulling their naval base out, getting ready for us to go in there? And you're not hearing a thing about that in the press, and the liberals will not complain. Oh, I'll be darned. I wasn't aware of that myself. And so I guess uh, you'll talk about these things on your radio show. My engineer is telling me we're just about out of time here. Again, that uh, that website where people can go to to listen to your show, it's live every Saturday, is it? And then you can well, listen it, on a podcast? You can listen to the podcast at americaswakeupcall.net, or you can check out our movie, facebook.com slash unfairthemovie, where we're going to expose all these scandals specializing on the IRS. Well, that should be very, very good. I'll look forward to seeing that myself and and perhaps having you back to talk about that once that is completed. We'll be happy to do that. Thank you very much for being with us. Uh, Folks, don't go away. We're going to be right back with Glenn Downs. He's the chief of staff uh, of a Congressman Jones, Walter Jones, uh, in Washington. Don't go away. We'll be right back with Glenn Downs. 
Sandgold is an aggressive gold company operating in Manitoba, Canada, a top-ranked gold mining region. Sandgold's most recent gold discovery, the Shoreline Basalt Mining Unit, is already in production at more than 75,000 ounces per year. And Sandgold continues to pursue nearby targets within one of Manitoba's most prospective gold mining trends, the Rice Lake Gold Belt. Discover the potential at Sandgold. Trading symbol is SGRCF on the OTCQX and SGR on the Toronto Exchange. Visit our website at www.sandgold.ca.